This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The key to fighting anti-Semitism and hate is knowledge. Understanding the Jewish community can go a long way towards dispelling myths and misunderstanding. One common misperception about Jews is what they are. A faith? Yes. A people? Yes. A nation? Yes. How can they be all of the above? What has that meant? And what does it mean today is the subject of today's show. Here to unpack all of this is my ADL colleague, Vlad Heiken. He's ADL's Director of Anti-Semitism Programs. Welcome, Vlad, too, from the front lines. Hey, Scott. Glad to be with you. So let me get right to the punchline. How do we categorize Jews? I think you said it in your opening remarks, right, is that there's a lot of confusion about uh, who Jews are. And, you know, part of the question of anti-Semitism is really making sure that people understand who the Jewish people are in all of our complexity, right? Because so much of anti-Semitism is rooted in ignorance about Jews, Judaism, um, you know, the Jewish state of Israel, uh, Zionism, and so on. So when we think about Jews, you know, most people have this misconception um, that Jews are merely a religious group. Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that that is a relatively new way of thinking about uh, the Jewish community, of the Jewish people. For most of our existence, we have uh, sort of regarded ourselves as much more than just a, a community um, that is based around theology or uh, religious practice. Really, the Jewish community uh, is can best be understood as a people, uh, a nation, an ethnic group, uh, maybe even a civilization, right, that has certainly a, a religious component. We have a, a, a religious system that is unique to our people. But if you try to reduce the Jewish people to simply religious practices and beliefs, you're going to miss a whole lot about who we truly are, right, the complexity and diversity of the Jewish experience, of uh, Jewish practice and existence. Um, You know, we have a unique language, we have a unique culture, unique traditions, um, forms of social organization, right, in addition to theological beliefs and practices uh, and so on. Can you think of another faith that is also a people? It, It feels to me somewhat unique. There are other groups that um, certainly have all of these various identities that are subsumed within uh, who they are, right, and how they show up in the world. Um, You know, I think probably the closest uh, sort of uh, corollary, if you will, the closest um, analogy that we could draw is to um, indigenous communities, right? If you think about um, Native American groups, for example, um, they certainly have a religious system, a set of beliefs and practices and forms of worship um, and, a, and a spiritual way of understanding the world that is unique to their group. But if you try to reduce them down to uh, to only that, you're going to miss a whole lot about who they really are, because they're much more than just uh, you know a, a religious uh, Um, you know, community. Um, They have, uh, you know, again, uh, forms of social organization, you know, different uh, cultural expressions, traditions, um, you know, uh, you know, unique language, right, that is unique to their group, uh, and so on. So I I think that is probably the the closest, um, you know, sort of analogy that I could draw. And interestingly, it seems that with indigenous people, we see them as a people. We talk about, you know, the Sioux Nation or things like this. We don't we don't look at them as uh, being solely about their faith. That's right. That's right. So how confusing for non-Jews is this uh, multiple identity that Jews have? Do non-Jews, uh, as, you, well, as you say, they, they think of Jews simply as a faith, 
But uh, I think it must be very confusing. I mean, if you think about this idea of a Jewish atheist or a Jewish Buddhist, it, it feels like it must be mind boggling. But those those identities certainly exist. That's right. Um, yeah, and in, in fact, we know that uh, large swaths of the Jewish community, both uh, in the United States and Israel uh, and in other places around the world, identify as secular or, uh, or even as atheist, right? They don't necessarily embrace or practice the, the sort of religious or spiritual aspect of, uh, of the Jewish people, right? They're not necessarily adherents to Judaism, right, as a religion, um, but they nonetheless identify as Jewish, right, uh, as a cultural identity, as an ethnic identity, as a national or, or peoplehood identity, right? Um, and I think it can be confusing. I think um, sort of uh, it's, a, it's a little bit subversive, right, by our very uh, sort of um, existence as, a, as, you know, subsuming uh, Jewish identity, subsuming all of these various elements. I think we, we sort of force people to, um, to question all of these various categories of nation, people, religious community, right? What does it mean to be all of these different things at once? You know, the Jewish people are a multiracial people, right? There's been a lot that has been said, uh, particularly lately uh, in the public discourse and certainly in the press uh, about Jews as a race, right? Um, and, you know, of course, Jews are not a race, but uh, we are a multiracial community. We come in all different shapes and colors and sizes and backgrounds, but nonetheless consider ourselves to be one global family. And I think that um, that may confuse a lot of people, right? Because we look uh, all kinds of different ways. Uh, we practice our faith in different ways. We're arranged in different communities around the world that have developed their own unique practices and approaches uh, to Judaism, to Jewish culture um, and identification. But nonetheless, you know, we're all part of one global community. You know, you mentioned Israelis, and, and I think this concept of a homeland is a very interesting one. A, a faith generally is not entitled to a homeland, but a people are. And I know that uh, there was uh, criticism uh, early on of Zionism. People didn't understand the idea of a faith needing a homeland. Maybe, maybe speak a little bit about that. Here again, we, we can sort of draw parallels to a lot of indigenous cultures, right? Um, wherein the, the ancestral homeland, the indigenous homeland of that particular community plays a big role in their self-identification, uh, not only in terms of their religious practices, but in terms of, um, you know, the way they structure their, their life. I mean, you know, when you think about the sort of Jewish life cycles, right? Um, when you think about the flows, uh, the ebbs and flows of Jewish life, the Jewish calendar is structured around uh, the seasonal and agricultural cycles of the uh, of the Near East, right, of the Levant, uh, the, the land of Israel. Um, and so even, you know, folks in the diaspora who are Jewish are still living their lives in some way, um, you know, in a very visceral way tied to um, the the physical cycles of, uh, of our ancestral homeland. So it, it plays a really big role in our own identity and our sense of self, not only in a religious sense, you know, in the way that we, you know, pray facing Jerusalem, for example. Right. Um, but also in a, in a very sort of cultural sense in terms of how we live our lives, um, even in the diaspora. You mentioned the concept of race. And I'm interested in in how people who are anti-Semitic, who, who espouse anti-Semitic tropes, uh, view Jews. Is it solely as a race? Well, no, not necessarily. Um, you know, and anti-Semitism itself is, is as complex as uh, the Jewish people are, I would say, you know. Um, and it's also something that um, is not fixed, right? It, it also changes uh, shapes. It adapts to new contexts, 
to new um, cultural, political, uh, and other trends. Um, it has this incredible chameleonic or adaptive quality. And so, you know, if you look at anti-Semitism over the ages, it has uh, changed, right? Um, what was once primarily uh, a theological difference, right? Um, you know, that Jews as a, as a problematic uh, a religious other, um, over the ages became uh, sort of solidified as much more of a racialized bigotry, right? Ascribing to Jews certain fixed biological, but also moral um, or behavioral traits, right? So Jews were, of course, uh, stereotyped as looking a particular way, right? Having certain biological features um, that were immutable, by the way, and fixed. Um, but also that these were tied necessarily to certain uh, moral or character traits, you know, that shape how Jews showed up in the world, what their uh, agenda was, what their behavior was, right? So, um, you know, we have to understand that anti-Semitism is multifaceted, right? It certainly can attack Jews on the basis of of their uh, of their worship or how their theological beliefs, but it need not do so. It has it shows up in many different ways, including uh, in a sort of uh, racialized form. We only have about a minute left, but I do have one last important question, and I know it's going to hit home. You were born in the Soviet Union, I believe, a place that didn't yes. have a religion, yet it it had Jews. Line five of everybody's internal passport listed what they called their nationality, Yevrei, Jewish. So my question is, what does it mean to be Jewish in a place with no religion at all? Of course, religion existed in the Soviet Union, but the official policy of the state was, uh, you know, anti-religious, right? Uh, You know, following the old, you know, Marxist maxim, you know, of religion as the opiate of the masses. Um, And so you're you're right. I mean, I, you know, I have uh, in front of me my... um, uh, my birth certificate, my Soviet birth certificate, and uh, sure enough, right there it says, you know, nationality, right? Uh, and it says Yevrei, which means uh, Hebrew or Jew, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in, in the, you know, again, the, you know, these categories that we're put into um, are not objective, right? Things like race, uh, it has no biological validity, but um, rather it's a category that is imposed upon people um, that is relative to the particular needs of the ruling regime. So there was not a, a sort of a a, a, um, a uniform policy over the, the sort of many years that the Soviet uh, Union existed. Rather, it sort of uh, changed depending on the whims and the interests, perceived interests of the Soviet Union at the time. So there was a period at, at which, uh, you know, they denied the fact that Jewish uh, people were a people, a nation, an ethno group unto themselves, because if they are, then they deserve sovereignty, autonomy, maybe even statehood. At other times, uh, you know, we were regarded as uh, as purely, you know, uh, as very much a nation set apart. And that was reflected in our identity cards, our birth certificates and so on. Okay, you know, this has been a truly fascinating conversation that we can continue. And I I know it was very enlightening for the listeners. I'm going to just say thank you so much for being on the show and and for the extraordinary work that you do every day fighting anti-Semitism. Thanks, Scott. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.